0: To Wide the hey, welcome everybody to What the Truck on this beautiful Friday afternoon in Chattanooga, Tennessee. I'm Michael Vincent, the dude, and he's Dooner. What's up, my brother? How you doing today, man?
1: Hey, what's happening, man? Carrier Summit. We were just here at yeah. Carrier Summit, and now it's in the annals of history. You know, yeah. it's time to get back to our regularly scheduled programming, Some right. a little more focused What the Truck's. Absolutely, and
0: it's going to be a great show today and I'm glad we're doing this show because coming off of the high of that event, the events are awesome. I'm already looking forward to the to the next one doing it, you know what I'm saying? And you know, my favorite things about those events are so many connections that you can make and the real-time opinions and feedback on what's going on uh you know during the different talks and the presentations, the wave talks and the demos. It's just tremendous stuff and I absolutely love it. And let me tell you this, if you don't think that logistics is an exciting and dynamic industry with some of the brightest minds. Yeah. In the words of Judas Priest, you, my friend, have another thing coming.
1: I have another thing coming. Well, <laughs> if you have another thing coming, bring it up right here on LinkedIn. we got the comments open, coming in fierce and fast. Wayne Craig is already there. He's also going to be on radio this weekend at uh, 4.30, 3 to 5 p.m., Sirius XM's Road Dog Trucking Channel 146. Wayne Craig joining us. But uh, today, let's talk about this show. We have a great show in store for us. We teased it yesterday at the Summit. It's uh, it's one I've been wanting to do for a while, and it's shining a light on human trafficking with truckers against trafficking. Excellent, excellent discussion with them. We're also going to get an update on supply chains in Africa from Hughes. We're going to talk sustainability with Nick Romer. He's coming in to us via Scotland. We're going totally global today. He says that Optimus Prime is using alternative fuels. We'll see if there's any truth to that. (laughs) Plus, uh, we're going long today. Craig Fuller will get us up to speed on the hurricane.
0: Or potential hurricanes, yes. right? I think is there. So I mean, you know, her Aside from play it forward, which I love the play it forward stuff to find out the different talents and hear those different things. And uh, this one's kind of close to home, right? Because we've we've got a relative that works for us here. Oh right?
1: yes, right?
0: yeah. Uh, so I'm really interested in that, but really I, I think I'm, I'm very excited to when we shine light on things and issues that really need to be solved. So this the horrors of human trafficking and stuff to be shining that light. and Plus, learning about South African supply chain and mm-hmm. Optimus Prime Fuel. Yeah. Sounds great. Big I deal.
1: You know, Andy, Andy Hedrick is in the comments as well. He played it for with us just recently. He said, Happy Friday, all. It's a great day to be alive. It absolutely Amen. is. So it's all coming up right after the headlines. But first, let's tip the band. Do it. Triumph Pay, partner with brokers and shippers to process carrier payments. With nearly 80,000 carriers paid, Triumph Pay provides a simple solution for your carriers to manage their payments in one place. With Triumph Pay, carriers can upload and submit paperwork, manage their payments, and connect to brokers directly from anywhere, be it South Africa, Scotland, or your own bedroom. Michael Vincent, tell them where to go.
0: Go to triumphpay.com immediately after the show.
1: Mm-hmm. And Keisha, right. she's here. She says hello from Glen Rose, Texas. Hey, Kesha, what's going on? TikTok talk right all right man let's get to those headlines (laughs) let's get them happy friday amanda miller and uh, I, Whitehouse says so, right, Andy? All right, to uh, the second freight frenzy of 2020 is upon us. You know, it feels like deja vu. Feels like we keep talking about these escalating rates. So uh, our copy and talking points are still very similar each time, and that's a good thing if you are a carrier. <laughs> it really the, is. This week's DHL Supply Chain Pricing Power Index is sitting at 85. Last week it was at 80, and it's been climbing up. I mean, there was a point where this was at 15 this year. It just keeps escalating. The long term outlook is powerful. It's still at an 80 in the long term. If you're not familiar, DHL supply chain pricing power index uses analytics and data contained in freight wave sonar to analyze the market and estimate the negotiating power between shippers and carriers, 100 carriers, zero shippers right now, 85. Uh, and the reason why is that freight volumes show no signs of slowing this week and tender rejections are moving in lockstep. Truckstop.com spot rates have surged to their two year highs and spot volumes also elevated. Initial jobless claims rose above 1 million again. This week, so not that good. It's a reversal of a multi-week downtrend.
0: Yeah, a- absolutely, and it, it, <laughs> dude, it, it, eighty is the outlook too. Yeah, right. I mean, volumes just continue to go up, and the absolute levels and momentum are positive. Are positive for carriers, uh, obviously, and you know we're back within. Re- Broken record territory. Yes. I mean, it's the, the DHS supply like chain a broken index record. has never been over 80, oh, I mean, 85. It's never seen 80. We sound like and a broken record. Now it's 85. Record. We do sound like a broken record, but this is this is, this is is uh, real news because it just keeps on going. And the Op-On Tender Volume Index, it climbed another 6.3% to a new all-time high of 15,132, right? Uh, it, the OTVI, or Op-On Tender Volume Index, it, it's posting a string of consecutive all-time highs for many weeks now. It's way, way above 2018, 2019, which
1: Amanda Miller says that rates are insane. She's right, you know. Like, yeah. uh, there's a, there's a there's an academic or two on LinkedIn who are who are trying using lagging data, trying to argue that the rates and the volumes aren't there. Look, buddy, they're there. You got to stop oh, yeah, using absolutely. lagging indicators. You got to actually go on the streets and talk to some people. Yeah, you got to talk to some drivers. You got to talk <laughs> exactly. to some brokers. You got to look at the load boards, which are broken right now, or you can just ask our market expert, right, my co-host on Put That Coffee Down, yours on Midday Market Update, Kevin Hill. He's the founder and CEO of Carrier List. He recently explained to the freight intel group that the demand for his company's product uh, carrier list it reminds him of the 2018 cycle carrier list produces and sells lists of carrier information and markets to freight brokerage he went on to say that brokers are desperate not to lose their high quality customers because of not being able to meet the demand
0: yeah, absolutely. And and this is showing no signs of slowing down, my friend. Oh, no. Our new Ocean uh, uh, Shipment Index, or sh- uh, dashboard, I should say, which actually shows ocean shipments, the bookings, right? So these are not even shipments that are on the water yet. These are bookings. That continues to rise as well, which is going to show further and further pressure on capacity and uh, upward momentum. It's there.
1: Absolutely. By the way, for those of you in the comments, we put a picture of these online. We got the black hat here. We got the red brim here. Vote in the comments: which hat do you like better? Because we are at a standstill. It was tied in the it was tied in the poll that I put on LinkedIn. So we'll see. I think it was about fifteen to fifteen. We'll see what happens there. But anyways, next headline: truckers seek 1.8 billion dollars from ocean carriers for alleged chassis overcharges. Big bill may be coming to them. The American trucking industry has filed a cease and desist request with the uh, U.S. Federal Maritime. Commission over what it says are ocean container carriers, distorting the costs of chassis usage. This has been a long-standing debate. The the ATA, Intermodal Carriers Conference, filed the complaint against the Ocean Carrier Equipment Manufacturer Association. Boy, does that roll off the tongue. (laughs) And ten of its ocean carrier members with the FMCSA FMC on Monday. The complaint also calls for the OCEMA and members to pay the trucking industry damages of up to that $1.8 bucks.
0: Yeah, that's exactly the Right. So what there's, for more than decades is what they're, they're, they're bringing to light here. For more than decade, these foreign owned companies have worked together to take advantage of hardworking American trucking companies, said Bill Sullivan, ATA's executive vice president for advocacy in a press release. And so by denying truckers choice of equipment providers at the port and inland locations, these unscrupulous companies have been forcing American truckers and American consumers to subsidize their costs to the tune of nearly $1.8 billion over the last three years alone, he added. Wow. In its complaint, IMCC said Osima's actions violate the Shipping Act and FMC should use its enforcement authority to stop it immediately. Uh, you know, next week we're going to have uh, Ryan Hofeck, who's COO at DCLI, and they manage uh, quite a number of chassis. Wow. Uh, he's got some insight into this. I've been talking to him, and and uh, they're going to come out and dig into some details.
1: Stephen Stewart says just wait for concerts to come back next year, and that'll help the rates they'll take us into. Entertainment drivers out of the freight pool. Oh, yeah. Steven says he, he, he drives all the concert gear and stuff like that. does oh, right? a oh, lot yeah. of big setups. Yeah. 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 And he's gonna, he's, I think he's looking forward to getting back to that once there are more shows and everything as right. well. So he'll be out of the freight pool. We'll see where rates goes. But this seems like something, you know, we were so trepidatious because of the freight cliff of, of just co-signing that, you know, we're going to be bulls, bulls, bulls moving right. forward. But, you know, the, the charge is there, you know, it's like <laughs> it's like waiting on Tesla stock now to go down. You know, Tesla just keeps going up yeah. and up. And so does this <laughs> index yeah. over here um, yeah. Here's some news though. Here's something that's interesting that's going on e-commerce. It's been booing a lot of the economy. Well, Amazon is about to get tough on sellers using outside fulfillment and delivery firms. Right? Christmas could get pricey. We've talked about other service providers adding these things on, but now Amazon is attacking its own SVP program. It's saying that most of the they're saying it's terrible performance on Prime deliveries from most of Amazon's third party seller merchants, and they're changing the game on them.
0: Yeah, they certainly are. So Amazon.com, and they've been accused, has been accused of squeezing the merchants. Right, eligible to sell goods to its popular prime service without having to use the e-tailing behemoth for fulfillment and delivery services. Right, mm-hmm. So they're squeezing them to use theirs. So effective February 1st, the squeeze may become a vice uh, especially for the smaller merchants. And mm-hmm. on that day, the new rules kick in that would, could be the most stringent ever imposed on merchants who sell, fulfill, and ship under Amazon's seller-fulfilled prime services. Sellers will be closely measured to prove they consistently hit the one- to two-day delivery targets called for under Prime, and sellers will be required to offer Saturday pickups and deliveries through their service providers and must provide nationwide delivery coverage for all standard size products. So they're they're tightening the vice.
1: In a letter to SVP merchants, Amazon said it acted because less than 16% of those SVP orders met that two-day delivery requirement. All these headlines and more at FreightWaves.com, but now we are going to reach out to South Africa, where our buddy Hughes at Clinch23 is. Let's bring him up right now on the Zencaster and see how Hughes is doing. Hughes, welcome to What the Truck. I see that it's running on. Uh, I think it's connecting to him right now. We're oh, going excellent. We're going excellent. long overseas. We're going to talk to him about the supply chain over in South Africa. Hughes, are you there, my friend? Hey, Hughes, what's up, man? How's it going, Hughes? I'm not getting any audio on him. Uh, let's see. We trying to connect difficulty. him. It worked during the test, so we would yeah. hope we could bring him up. Well, we did know, have to switch board conditions a little bit. We're going all
0: the way to bit. South Africa, my friend.
1: We are going all the way to South Africa. I know. I know. I <laughs> said that that was the plan here. hmm I don't know, that doesn't seem like it might work right now. All right, man, we'll Absolutely. have to come up with a backup plan. We'll have to hook up with Hughes in some other different way. We may have to bring him on on a, on a different show here. Sorry about the technical difficulties here. Yeah. I uh, thought this, uh, this would work. <laughs> but apparently hey. apparently not, we'll get to it. but we're you know, risk some takers, of the takers,
0: my friend, we're risk takers.:
1: Yes, that's all right. Well, one of the things we we're going to talk to him, a couple of things we we're going to talk to him about yeah. was that state of freight in Africa, freight and logistics startups in Africa, opportunities for global VCs in African supply chain startups. So many different opportunities to speak here.
0: Yeah, there there really are. I mean, I, I'm very interested to find out how it is. You know, we're so used to North American uh, logistics and how it works. And you have to look at the infrastructure and the different governmental uh, regulatory bodies, et cetera, in South Africa. Uh, just, you know how transparent is the data and how how just dis- fragmented is it in the in the in those locations you hear about these things where you uh, you know, we donate food and so on and so forth and relief supplies to other countries, et cetera, and they rot on the docks. Yeah. So they have those infrastructure issues, and it'll be interesting to find out where those guys are at.
1: You know, and this is one of those conversations that came up when the trade war started back in 2016. You know, there are a lot of journalists who are covering this like, ah, oh, it's easy to pivot a supply chain. You could just move it to anywhere in yeah. Africa or anywhere Indonesia or anywhere in Asia. And it's just, it's just not that simple. And then when you see some of the the communities that end up being formed in some of these countries, when you have some big shippers move in, it starts to become its own mini China within Africa or other locations.
0: Yeah, it absolutely does. And I mean, we, we've, we've spoken to many experts on this subject and, and one of them, you know, OK Boomer right yeah <laughs> and, and and talking about the the change and and that has been the buzz and still talking about the diversification of your supply chain throughout the world your international supply chain and like you said it's not that easy just because you have this single product that's coming in the pieces parts come from all different areas of the of the world and you can't just make that switch on a dime yeah obviously it it, it disrupts everything and and Having backup plans, how do you keep backup plans, right? You'd have to have volumes coming from different areas because if I trade with you and now I'm going to diversify and so I've got these backup plans, if I never trade with those other other people, they're not going to be there when I need them, right? Uh So you've got to balance all that mix as well.
1: Yeah, you know, I, you know, what's fascinating to learn from him too would be about Africa's a hotspot for global freight data, and in what ways that applies to to what he is uh, what he's talking about. Because you need that data, and you need that modern technology to attract those VCs to get that interest to bring that money. So it would have been really awesome to hear how that all how that all integrates.
0: I agree, hundred percent, hundred percent. Yeah, and and in, in other countries as well. Yes, right. I mean, it's not just South Africa. The, the, South Africa is obviously a. a doing well and and a, and a hot spot, right? Otherwise, we wouldn't be talking about South Africa. But it's interesting because it, when you start talking about these type of uh, supply chains and we start talking about South Africa and, and wherever it happens to be, you know, I, I was involved in a 501 trade when I was in, in uh, maritime, right? And so you have these goods or unfinished raw materials that move from, say, the United States to another country, and then the fabrication takes place, and then it comes. And on those backhauls... Even in Ocean, there are backhauls, right? Uh, You have other things being traded. So you have bananas coming north, and you have denim going south, and then you have it being fabricated and brought back by a different method. And the 501 trade was bored. 501 Levi's, 501 Blue Jeans, if you remember those. (laughs) It was off the 501 Trade Act, right?
1: (laughs) Well, I think for some reason we're not getting any signal, too, because I'm not even hearing my my phone right now on here. So I'm not really necessarily sure what's going on with – with with this board on production over here. Uh, Adam, are you there? I'm here. I can hear you. Oh, sweet. Well, we've got Adam Robinson now, so you're not Hughes. Oh, hey, we are trying to bring go. our buddy Hughes in from South Africa. But you're no Hughes, we had a,
0: Adam, but you'll do.
1: We had a last-minute <laughs> board swap out because some plans changed, and for some reason that is not integrating properly. So, Adam, we thought we'd call you really quick because just the, the freight volumes are just soaring in sonar. We just had a big carrier summit, so we wanted to get your thoughts on both of those things. First of all, what you, what'd you make of the carrier summit?
2: Carrier Summit was amazing. Very lively. Great to see some more engagement. I really think the community is starting to come together and really get used to these virtual events. So it's nice to see some of the numbers that came out of that. But just the level of engagement and people talking to each other was fantastic.
0: Yeah, it's awesome, Adam. You know, when we did our first event uh, earlier in the year, which was a major success as well, right? The Freight Waves Live at home was unbelievable. Dune and I talking about this and, and speaking with uh, all the people that it, uh, attended it as well, it's really awesome to be able to get that interaction While a presentation is being made, while there's a demo, while there's a fireside chat, because that's when the juices are really flowing. You can you can gauge how the crowd and how others are reacting and have these lively discussions about the ideation that's going on on stage. Right.
2: Yeah, you know, and that's what it takes when you're able to really take some of the speeches and the words that are out there and dial it down into the Slack community and engage around those ideas. You start to bring people together. I mean, they start working on issues together. It's more collaborative and it's a tough market out there. You know what we're seeing in the outbound tender rejection rates? what we're seeing in the volume, they're historic and almost all lanes are starting to see historic volumes. And when those kinds of problems exist in the market, when it's tough to find capacity, or if you're a carrier who wants to redeploy assets, there's a lot of processes that go into that. There's a lot of regulation. There's a lot of technology that's needed to really pull that off. It's not just knowing where to go in the market. It's also actually making it happen. And when you can collaborate with your peers or even your competitors or some other people in other industries like you can on those virtual events, you can really start to talk about some best practices on how to actually achieve those things.
0: Absolutely solid point. And you know what Adam, I'm looking at the our ocean dashboard, right? One of our newest additions in uh, in 7.0 was the ocean. And the bookings which are these are not customs, these are weeks out. These are the bookings stuff that's not even stuffed these are commodities that are not even stuffed in containers yet. Uh, It continues to go up. So at least even from the import maritime side, the pressures on those port cities, on those port markets, Southern uh, California, Savannah, et cetera, uh, it's going to continue through the peak season is is what it looks like, right?
2: Yeah, that's right. You know, and and again, I think we keep talking about perhaps the next round of stimulus checks. But, you know, we're getting closer to holiday season. I really think that we're sitting on as a country in America some of the highest savings that we've seen in a really long time. Home equity value is still there. Interest rates are really, really low. And so a lot of people might either cash out, they might improve their home. You know, some retailers like Lowe's or Home Depot are having to reconfigure their transportation networks to really, you know, understand how e-commerce works in full truckload, how it works in LPL, a bit beyond just that parcel move. And guess what? That kind of raw material, you um, supply chain that then happens overseas on those imports as they're coming into the port are going to also increase because of that follow-through demand and some of these, you know, extra cash initiatives that we're going to see in the economy. So, you know, as we head into holiday season, I think all freight market participants really got to be understanding their own operations and their own data, but they're going to have to start seeking outside that data to see other parts of the supply chain. And so they can make better decisions and really start working to really reconfigure their own transportation networks, they may not have the the infrastructure like Lowe's, but they're going to need as much as they can in the data to really appropriately respond and and not lose their their hat while they're doing it and keep those profits high.
1: Adam, thank you so much for uh, picking up the call this time. Um, you, I, I love that you're always there to to, to pick it up and to deliver, <laughs> just like uh, I don't know FedEx. <laughs> uh, I appreciate it though, man. Have a great weekend. <laughs> hey, you too, guys. Take care.
0: He, he may have been looking and saw that caller coming in from South Africa and decided, mm, maybe I better stand on by. <laughs>
1: maybe he did, yeah. And hopefully he's listening and, uh, and, and stayed on guard. But right now, what do we got coming up?
0: Oh, right now, we've got, who is it? Kelly Lanier, is that right? Deputy Director of Truckers Against Trafficking location is Tulsa, Oklahoma, calling in from, nope. I believe, which should be easier than South Africa, I would imagine. Uh, or I hope so. But this is, uh, looking forward to highlighting this.
1: Yeah, hey, Kayla, it's Kayla with Truckers Against Trafficking. She's Deputy Director over there. You are on the air with Dooner and the Dude. Thank you so much for taking the time on this Friday to speak with us on this really important issue as we shine a light on human trafficking, uh, especially through the eyes of truckers.
3: Well, I appreciate the invitation, and we are just excited to be on your show.
1: Well, you know what? We actually have, before we even get into the interview, you sent us an amazing video that shows what your program does and kind of highlights that issue. So let's set the table with that one. Production, can you please roll the clip?
3: My son and I were driving through Oklahoma City, had the radio on, and the guy comes on the radio, hey, anybody want any underage girls? This one, she didn't even look 13, 14 years old. She had a little mini skirt on. A 14-year-old, 15-year-old is not doing this on her own court. You have to wonder who's behind them. They have a pimp or whatever you want to call them, traffickers. Sex trafficking is a form of modern day slavery when traffickers are using force, fraud, or coercion to compel an individual to engage in commercial sex. And traffickers are not only exploiting the victims, but they're also exploiting these locations. Everything from commercial front brothels to residential brothels to hotels and motels to truck stops to street-based prostitution. A lot of exploitation is happening online. That's where a lot of the connections are being made. Nobody wakes up and says, gosh, I'd really like to sell myself on the streets today. That is something that is being directed by the victimizer, by the trafficker. Here we are, you know, I'm 15 years old, my cousin is 14, and we're here at a truck stop you know, being forced to work it, you know, and we're young girls, terrified out of our minds.
0: The trucking industry is in a unique position because they actually will be in the locations that pimps will bring in um, their victims.
3: Truckers Against Trafficking is a grassroots organization. It comes alongside the trucking industry, recognizing that they're the eyes and ears of our nation's highways. They're in places that most people aren't, and that they can recognize potential victims of human trafficking more than the rest of us. You're talking about a really highly trained group of individuals that are seeing trafficking, they know where to report it, they're reporting it right away, And as a result, we have seen countless victims who've been recovered by law enforcement. When we talk about who's driving change in this area, we have to talk about the American trucking industry. Thank God what saved me was that truck driver that called in and said, hey, you know, this is whoever at the truck stop, you know, and we have some girls out here that look pretty young. Oh. That trucker, <laughs> the one that made it for boy, I owe him a lot. <laughs> and if, he's, if he ever sees this, <laughs> thank you, thank you, thank you. I am a team truck driver with my husband, Bob. I've
4: been a 16-year veteran of over-the-road truck driving. I've been driving for 26 years. And I am a trucker against traffic. And I am a trucker against traffic. I'm a trucker against traffic.
3: And I am a trucker against trafficking.
1: Wow, I mean that, that's a that's a powerful video. It really gets uh, straight to the heart of the message. Really, that ending there too. I mean, trucker against trafficking. So tell us a little bit about the uh, the organization and and give us some insight into this problem.
3: Absolutely. So, uh, Truckers Against Trafficking exists to educate, equip, empower, and mobilize members of the trucking, bus, and energy industries to recognize the signs of human trafficking and to know what to do when they see it. Um, we also train law enforcement um, to know how to apply the victim-centered approach and to go after the perpetrators and to help the victims. Uh, human trafficking is a huge global problem. There are uh, over 40 million people enslaved in the world today, and we have uh, thousands of victims here in the United States, both uh, minor victims as well as adult victims of sex trafficking and labor trafficking, and. It really is an everywhere problem, so it's an everybody's solution. So we have uh, industry-specific training for trucking, bus, and energy to really see how they're going to see it, how they can interact with it, and how they can really be a life changer for somebody.
0: Yeah, you know, uh, this is a, a great topic to shed a light on. It, 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 when you When you hear those stories and you're talking about, you know, 14-year-old, 13-year-old girls and so on, I have girls myself, and it, and it really, really hits home as something that needs to be addressed and, and stamped out. Do you find that the American public kind of, when they see this, they think, well, not really here. And is that true? It, yeah, in I, I, other words, they see it as a foreign problem, right? This surely isn't happening in the United States to, to the degree that it is other places.
3: Yeah, I think what well, we've called it by different names. I mean, most, people in prostitution, obviously all minors in prostitution are trafficking victims. But if you even look at the statistics on adults in prostitution, they are also trafficking victims. They have a trafficker, a.k.a. a pimp. They have somebody that is beating them and coercing them and keeping them there um, through no fault of their own that are exploiting their vulnerabilities. So I think the American public does view trafficking in a classical sense um, as something out there. But what we have to understand is on the street corner where you know prostitution is taking place, that is sex trafficking. Um, in places where you see a commercial sexual exploitation, you have sex trafficking taking place. You have labor trafficking for a lot of our products that are really cheap. People are not being paid for their labor. They are being exploited uh, because they don't have a political voice. They don't have any power um, and, and people are taking advantage of that. So It's definitely a problem happening here in the United States as well as around the world.
1: Well, yeah, I mean, that's why we wanted to shine a light on it. I was shocked to read this report that the United States, along with Mexico and the Philippines, are ranked as one of the world's worst places for human trafficking in 2018. I think a lot of times here in the United States, we like to put blinders on. As you said, call it by a different name. Act like it's not happening. I don't see it. It's not there. But it's happening at rest stops, Hotel Rooms, brothels all across the country. How do we do something about it? And why are truckers such a good resource for this? Why do they make such great first responders to this activity?
3: I think truckers are awesome because they're out there on the road 24-7. At any given time, there are more truck drivers out on the road than there are law enforcement. They're in places other people don't go. They see things, and they're already trained to be vigilant. And so when you train them on this specific issue, they can see it, they can recognize it, and they can make those calls on behalf of the victims. I think for all of us in society, We all need to learn more about this issue, um, and then once we've learned more about the issue, that's when we start to take, what can I do? Whether that is uh, supporting a local food bank and decreasing vulnerabilities for people that traffickers would seek to exploit, mentoring people, um, supporting an actual uh, restoration home for victims of human trafficking, uh, there's just a lot of different ways that we can all get involved, raising awareness, even talking about it around the dinner table with our own kids, so that they don't have this myth of what a pimp is like, but really understand that it could be your friend at school that's recruiting for a trafficker. It could be somebody that appears to be uh, friendly or reputable that is in fact a trafficker. I think having those conversations is what a, a first step for all of us, but truckers and the transportation industry they're just in those intersections where traffickers are moving victims along and they have a better shot at interrupting and disrupting those trafficking networks.
0: Yeah, so, I mean, that's a great point uh, that you bring up is, you you know, we talk about – how they fall into this. And some people get sucked into it because they have nowhere else to turn, correct? I mean, that's what you're alluding to when you talk about food banks and shelters, et cetera, and getting involved there. That would be a great place for people to start, right? Because they think of this and they think, well, I really don't see prostitution happening in Hickson, Tennessee, where I, where, where I'm from, right? So how, how do I actually get involved? So, uh, how do I get involved specifically? Is it through those food banks and, and doing that and, and, and just talking with my children?
1: Oh well, sure, it is too. Yeah. It's on. It's in. Hicks, it's in back pages. it Craigslist, be, right. Yeah. And you just I mean, don't it's, see it, right? Yeah.
3: Yeah, I think it's hidden. A lot of the sex trafficking has moved online, so you have to go out looking for it. Um, but I think that the general public, yeah, you're looking at people with vulnerabilities. That's who traffickers are looking to exploit. All teenagers have vulnerabilities, just from the standpoint of they all want to be loved, they all want to be accepted, they all want to be popular, right? Somebody promising them that. But then you look at further uh, vulnerabilities like food insecurity, like a lack of parenting at home, um, like abuse or neglect. The LGBTQ community is high risk because they get kicked out of their homes. And then they're on the street, which makes predators, I mean, they're just like a top number one target. You look at systems and communities that are more vulnerable for a myriad of reasons, high crime areas, broken homes things of that nature, and and traffickers are seeking that. So any type of social services that are supporting, uh, mentoring at school, Big Brothers and Big Sisters, food banks, um, reading in high illiteracy areas at at some of those elementary schools, all of those types of things help to buffer somebody against a trafficker who would seek to come in there and just make those promises but have evil intents. We need to be the ones making those promises and helping and giving that hand up so that people actually have a safe place to go.
0: Yeah, you know, Kyla, I really love the fact that uh, I'm, I'm getting the, the the full picture of what you guys are doing there, and you're attacking it from both, from both fronts, right, which is what needs to be. If you attack it just from the aw- awareness and trying to stop it, uh, and, and that is obviously something to do, but uh, it's more of a band aid type of thing, right? So you've you've got to you've got to also attack it from what is the cause of it. How do these people fall into this type of thing? And attacking it from that the poverty and so on and so forth is really important.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, a couple of, before we let you go, a couple of questions from the comments over here. Jen Turner says: Are there statistics about how many young ladies Tat has saved?
3: Um, the National Human Trafficking Hotline has received over. Uh, 2,500 calls from truck drivers identifying uh, close to 680 likely cases of human trafficking involving over 1,280 victims. So you are looking at um, quite a number of cases that were generated through truck drivers recognizing the signs. And that's just one slice of the data pie. You figure all of the truck drivers that called 911. There's no Mm -hmm. national database out there. They don't collect that information in any one space. So we know anecdotally from FBI, from local law enforcement, from truck drivers themselves, and truck stop employees that have made those calls that tell us those stories, but that's not even in those numbers. So a lot is happening because truck drivers are vigilant.
1: Wow, that, I mean, amazing stuff. Tom Curry also says, I appreciate that you guys are bringing issues like this forward. Thanks for all those involved at Truckers Against Trafficking for making a difference. We're going to continue this conversation on Monday with Marilyn from 10th Street. But in the meantime, people want to learn more about Truckers Against Trafficking. Where should we send them?
3: To truckersagainsttrafficking.org. If they're on social media, we have a Facebook page. We're at Pat Kyle on Twitter. And then we're also on Instagram. So they can follow us on a myriad of mediums.
1: Thank you so much for your time today. We really appreciate it.
3: Thank you. Have a great day.
0: Thank you, wow. Kyla.
1: Excellent guest. Tough issue, but excellent guest talking about it. Uh, th- if you heard that beeping during the middle of that, our buddy Hughes in South Africa was actually dialing my phone, so he will be on at 1240. So oh, okay, same We'll actually get to talk about all those issues. But in the meantime, we're going to talk to Ship Daddy. We're going to talk to Grant Canine. Get a little background here. What are we doing? A play it forward. What is it, it? forward? Oh, I'm Vincent? sorry.
0: Yeah, yeah. We're doing a little play it forward. So the band is Tiscornia. Yes, right. And the uh, name of the tune, Too Many Times, uh, which was written by, I, I guess, it was written by Grant, Grant Ganane.
1: I believe like the Grant Ganane uh, Trio or the Grant Ganane uh, Force, Power Force. <laughs> yeah. They have some really cool uh, marketing going on, on their site, too. Hey, Grant, you are on the air with Dooner and the Dude. What's up, man? All right, not allowed. How are you guys doing? Is it, is it you and Joe together? Are you guys both on the line today? Yep, I'm
5: here, too. What's up, Dooner? Hey, the Dude.
0: <laughs> hey man what's going on joe and grant how are you guys
1: we're great glad oh, to be wow.
6: on yeah are
0: well you, are you calling from tiscornia park there by saint joseph michigan see i did my research
5: uh, oh no that is that is what the band is based off of but we're calling
1: from uh, carlisle pennsylvania yeah. All right. Yeah, you did you research so well you missed the part on the sheep word something. No, no, that.
0: I just talked oh. about Discornia <laughs> was okay. the name of the band. Okay. I wanted to know where the Discornia the the name of the band oh, come oh, from. Oh, okay. That's All what right. I was well, should,
1: for. Hey, should we hear the song? Should we hear their song? I'd love to. All yes, right. We're going to play your clip right first. We'll talk about it then. We'll look at one of those a really cool marketing video you guys put together as well. And we'll talk a little bit about Ship Daddy. But right now, I'm going to roll the uh, the audio clip for you. All right. So tell us a little bit about the, uh, the band and uh, the song and, yeah. and, and what was going on there. I, I, for one liked it.
5: Yeah. So, um, the band is called Tis It's a band I formed with a couple of my, uh, good friends in the Detroit area. Um, it's all original music and that's just one of the songs from, uh, an EP we put out.
0: Very nice. Very nice. So what are you playing there, Grant? So I played
5: guitar in that song. Um, but, uh, yeah, I play bass in some of the other songs as well. So kind of multi-instrumentalist, I guess, but very cool.
1: Sweet. Well, all right, now the second part of this interview is we're going to talk a little bit about Ship Daddy, and I think the best way to start off and talk about Ship Daddy is maybe to play this clip that Ship Daddy made. Production, please roll that clip really yeah, quick.
4: Right. You have problems with e-commerce fulfillment? No more problems. Do you have trouble with customer service when warehousing your products?
2: No more trouble. ShipDaddy has dedicated account representatives.
4: Do you need more than warehousing and boxing from your fulfillment provider? ShipDaddy has no competition. See everything ShipDaddy has to offer at GoShipDaddy.com.
1: Wow. I don't love know, it. man. I, mean, I love a, it. I'm going to have to a awesome. beard off with their logo. And their logo appears as actually a real human being. Who is that? That's neither of you. That guy doesn't look like you guys unless one of you shaved.
5: <laughs> so this is my best friend since childhood, Brady. Um, uh-huh. The story behind Brady is, so we made him our ship daddy mascot. So I started, oh. <laughs> um, a, a, yeah, so he is the ship daddy. Uh, once Brady got back from Afghanistan, uh, it was two years ago now. Um, I asked him if he'd come on and help us start fulfilling packages for uh, a couple other brands that we started. Um, Brady uh, came in, and the Ship Daddy name has lived on. And, uh, yeah, it's fantastic. Well,
1: Dude. why would Michael Vincent want you as his Ship Daddy?
0: Because
5: of that. <laughs> just, just because of that.
1: <laughs> yeah, no, what do you guys think? You can do a lot of really interesting stuff, though. You do a lot of, well, yeah. Tell yeah. us exactly what Ship Daddy is doing uh, for the market. And you mentioned a few other brands and products as well.
5: Awesome. Sure. So Ship Daddy, the, the term that we've coined is flexible fulfillment. Um, so you can think about other e-commerce fulfillment uh, companies in our industry uh, and anything off of or uh, outside of the box of, you know, taking something off the shelf, uh, sticking it in a box, printing a shipping label, shipping it out, uploading tracking information. Um, they have a difficult time doing, or it's even really hard to find if they will agree to do that. Uh, we specialize in flexible fulfillment. So Um, We have dedicated Slack panels with each one of our customers. So no more messy um, emailing customer support, waiting 48 hours, praying that you get a hold of someone that understands the nuances of your account, um, and then hoping they can solve your problem. We have a dedicated line with them. Um, We specialize in things like print-on-demand, where we can do all of your custom merchandise and apparel. Um, We can do handwritten notes. We can do customized boxes. Uh, we like to tell our customers that we act more like an extension of their business uh, with real people that they can get a hold of at any time um, instead of, you know, just another cog in the wheel with a bigger fulfillment center um, that can't really help increase increase your brand. Excellent stuff.
0: Common theme. And you guys are capitalizing on it, obviously, with the, the direct Slack channels that you're talking about directly to your customers and really understanding those. That's incredibly important stuff. Uh, what What is the... Your marketing strategy, very catchy, very catchy. The only thing it was missing was a voice dub over, right? Like the old Kung Fu movies.
1: It almost looked like <laughs> the barstool sports of like shipping. <laughs> <It's a way. laughs> it, it was
0: very cool and very catchy. So well, they, you guys they, are pra- fairly asset based. Is that right?
1: Right. Young guys. Not yeah. afraid to show a little personality. No, I love it. Yeah. Yeah. Young guys. We uh, are
5: 26 year old to 32 year old company. Uh, we have a little over 20 people right now. Uh, basically our brand strategy, what you guys saw is we're trying to humanize our industry. Uh, you look at our bigger competitors and like I said, you know it sucks. you can't get a hold of someone that actually is physically fulfilling your product is physically printing your product. So it's really tough to quality control from an e-commerce perspective. but with us, you know we, we are friends with our customers. we have really great relationships and um, it's great for our customers to know that um, the their baby, their company that they've built is in great hands with the ship daddy.
1: How has fulfillment been treating you since COVID? We've been hearing a lot about e a lot about stress volume networks. We've all been hearing about USPS. So any issues there for your team?
5: It's been crazy. There's been a lot of industry changes, uh, you know, over the COVID period. We've seen um, a lot of troubles with Amazon and fulfillment by Amazon. So we've had a big shift of customers coming over to us. We've seen a big drop shipping shift um, with the issues going on in Hong Kong right now. Um, with people trying to move their operations from drop shipping directly to China over to us so they can reduce that, you know, two to four week lead time shipping products directly from China. They want something in the States, something that's reliable where they can get uh, their products out to their customers um, in a fast and reliable manner. Um, as far as the carriers, like you were talking about, we've definitely seen a slowdown in USPS, but we've seen a slowdown across a lot of carriers. Um, we run with USPS, DHL e commerce, FedEx. UPS, you know, all of the big dogs. And we've seen a few day delay, um, across packages, uh, you know, across the entire United States and internationally right now. So I think it's a problem for everybody.
1: Wow. Well, excellent stuff. I would love people to learn more about ship daddy. So where do they go after this interview?
5: Awesome. So, Ship Daddy, um, you know, we're based in Carlisle, Pennsylvania right now. We're moving uh, to a new location still in Carlisle oh, in the town oh, right next sorry,
1: to Sorry, I got it. we going to call in South Africa. So is it Ship Daddy? Go ShipDaddy.com. Thank you very much. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut those guys off, but we really had to, we really had to get Hughes on the line to talk here. we to South <laughs> Africa We already missed him once. I just needed a website link, but I love those guys at Ship Daddy, and, uh, yeah, and, and Brad is cool a great guy, too. I love the too. marketing yeah. and what they're so doing I didn't mean there. to cut them off, but, gra- but this guy's calling, calling in from South Africa, and we already missed him once. Hughes, how are you doing, my man? I'm doing great, Jonah. How are you doing? We're doing awesome. You know, we were trying to, you know, BS our way through your segment without you here. (laughs) We were trying to pretend like we knew what was going on in South
0: Africa. We don't really know
1: that much about what's going on in South (laughs) Africa. That's why we needed you to come on to tell us what's going on. Um, So tell us a little bit about yourself, though, what you do in South Africa, and maybe a little bit about the state of the freight industry in Africa itself. Uh,
6: So um, basically, um, um, I'm... I'm the chief growth officer for Inch24. So basically on the supply chain side of things, um, we try to push the whole idea of, of collaboration and partnership for the in the supply chain industry, bringing in together um, a number of companies, startups, both global and local. Uh, that's our focus right now because um the the gap that's there really in the African market of collaboration and partnership. Um, we feel like uh, Africa is a, is a big data center for the supply chain that's currently not being tested. So we want to change that from the supply chain perspective so that it become the, the focal point for data collection. The same data that you then use for freight, um, I think if you... If you start from the source, then um, I think Africa then plays a big role there because um, we are one continent that's very endowed when it comes to natural resources. I'm um, about extractives. We've got Africa and so forth. So um, if you're going to want to get uh, reliable data, then you need to get that data from the source so that you're then able to make
0: actionable decisions got to be some huge challenges in 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 Africa right i mean it's one i don't think people realize just how massive Africa actually is, and then you've got. People think
1: it's just a country. (laughs) Yeah, some people
0: think it's yeah. They think well, South Africa—that's the capital of Africa, right? (laughs) 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 But but it it is a massive place, and you've got so many different governments, and some of them are not very stable. Quite obviously, right? So, speak to some of those challenges there. If you're you're talking about logistics across Africa, not just South Africa, there's got to be huge hurdles, and not even just from infrastructure, but the political landscape has got to be just really difficult to navigate through when it's so tumultuous in many of the locations. Yeah, I
1: heard, I heard Nigeria is like whomped. You know, there's big issues going on in Nigeria as well, especially in terms of shipping alcohol. There's a lot of complaints on Twitter about that. Hughes, give us some insight. <laughs> so, yeah, and
6: like, I, uh, most people normally say um, Africa is a country. You know, it's a continent with uh, a whole lot of countries. I think 56 economies, all in all. But it, it, it's a very complex, very, very complex because we, Within the continent, we've got all these different economies which are which also have got different cultural aspects. So it is indeed um, quite a difficult uh, uh, environment to navigate to and get to the real data that can help make those actionable decisions. Um, I'll give you some examples. South Africa alone. I mean, South Africa, um, Egypt, um, and Morocco is one of the, some of the countries that have got uh, sophisticated, logistics in terms of infrastructure, in terms of investment in the supply chain. Um, if you look in East Africa, you've got countries like Kenya uh, that are quite, quite sophisticated also when it comes to logistics. Um, you've got Nigeria, which is the biggest um, economy um, in Africa, I mean, in terms of GDP and so forth, um, one of the biggest oil producers in Africa also. I mean, there's lots of data to collect uh, from Nigeria, but in terms of infrastructural development, it's really um it's still I would say it's still backward. There's still so much to be done, but it's difficult to navigate through that landscape, and also because um you know a, a high rate of informal which is very much uh, difficult also to get through because, I mean, there is standardization in the informal sector, which so quite difficult to navigate through. But those are the opportunities. we get opportunities from complexity. Um, and then I'm just going to give you an example of the most sensitive supply chain are the perishables. Kenya, for example, is one of the biggest exporters of cut flowers that end up with the royal... Um, Flora in, in Netherlands, so I mean we experience almost ninety percent from I mean from to the to the Royal Flora. There is so much data that can then be pulled there. That's from farms where they grow the flowers, and then all the carriers involved in between, and then you go the airports so until it reaches the final destination. I mean all those areas are opportunities uh, small data centers, but then you can. Um, obviously, technology, opportunities for technology to come in, especially with all those sources of data. So that at the end of the day, when you reach the final mile, you'll be able to produce, you know, uh, our data which is, um, which is full of interpreters.
0: Sort of Excellent stuff. Can you talk about, uh, so the startup environment there, there's a lot of difficulties, and you spoke to a lot of those difficulties in in the supply chain, et cetera, and the data uh, and the differences between the different parts of Africa as, as well. So, as far as uh, you know, venture capital in Africa, global venture capital in Africa, the startup uh, environment there. How is it there? Is it strong? Is it rife or, or with with new innovation and new companies coming in?
6: The startup industry in Africa is, is, is promising, really. I mean, um, there is uh, great companies that are coming up. There is investments that are coming in. Uh, from data from the Commonwealth, from the US, from the UK, uh, and all over Europe, that are I mean investing in all these startups. Uh, particularly in South Africa, we've got a very good startup environment. Um, I think Cape is one of our biggest hubs in terms of startups, and many startups coming from there. And obviously, uh, Kenya also in Nairobi, we've got a very good startup environment there. The same with Nigeria and of got a good startup environment. There. Uh, but I mean, specifically on the trade industry, on the district sector, there is a number of companies that are, I mean, are doing well, they have managed to raise some big money through, I mean, buy uh for, for raising the capital that are doing well um, in the district sector. So I'm not saying it depends of the startup environment, it's really policy. Um And I think that's where the biggest opportunity for COVID, uh, positive situation is. So there is such a uh, kind of, obviously, then we need the support of the government in terms of, of creating, you know, conducive uh, laws and, and also just investing in infrastructure, which is so the uh, word matrix and what are the supply chain methods. We need to, obviously, the um, collaboration of all those materials, but, yeah, I think uh, the startup is going to be really fun to It's a sort of a growth strategy that's, that's happened.
1: Hey, Hughes, before we let you go, you know, this is where we started the show talking uh, about human trafficking, truckers Mm -hmm. against trafficking. Can you just touch a little bit on the issues with child labor in the supply chain, particularly in regards to the extractive sector?
6: That's one of the biggest problems that we're having. Like I said, um, with extractive, when it comes with lots of of labor that's involved in terms of women labor. One country, the Democratic Party, which is the TRC. Uh, it exports 70% of copper copper used in the world is coming from the PRC. Yet the PRC remains as the one of the poorest countries of the world. You see it into 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 the mining of copper. That's where you find issues of child labour. There, it, it's very sad. But you know that while speaking about um we then just in technology when we say we want to get data from the source. Start from there, from, there, from the exhausted, from the mind, then we have to collaboratively to work together in stopping new cases of child because it's, it's happening, it will, uh, it's not a hearsay story, and it's very for everyone. And um, obviously, there is and for these corporates that are involved uh, there to, to, you know, to, to start with some corporate social responses, not in the new service, but you know. Um, be transparent in the activities and, and ensure that
1: um, i are not working in mind. Well, wow, Hughes, uh, thank you so much for your insights into yeah. the state of supply chain in Africa, and thank you for being flexible and, and being able to dial into us. We really wanted to have this conversation with you today. Thank you so much for your time.
6: Thank you so much, Jenna. Hopefully, um, I'll be on the show once again on what the Trust,
1: mm-hmm. and we talk
6: more <laughs> About all this, um, I, I just gave you a generic view of what I think obviously due to time constraints, but yeah, it should be yeah, great, no. you know, to be to on another show and kind of like dig deep deeper into each of the specifics.
1: Yeah, we were Absolutely. only able to scratch the surface, and there's a lot of there's a lot oh, yeah. of issues. I mean, Africa's a huge place. Uh, and, yes. I mean, any one of these topics could have uh, could have been an hour long. But we will dive deeper into them next time. Since we've introduced you, we'll go more granular on, on one of these topics and, yeah. and give some more time to it. But thank you very much. Th- th- thank you again for joining us, Hughes.
0: Awesome. Thanks so Thank you. Wow. Yeah, it, incredibly insightful. And like you said, just scratching the surface. It's an enormous place, and yeah. many. I mean, it's shocking how many people have no clue just how big. And the issues that are there. It's not like you're shipping from Tennessee to Oklahoma. Yeah. You're going from South Africa to Kenya. (laughs)
1: <laughs> sure, and then I mean, the, and and then the issues are just exploitation. You know, anytime yeah. you have a poor people or a poor country, and uh, you know, there are parts of Africa that, that you know they get that promise, they get that promise from a uh, Chinese factory that's looking to move there. Oh, yeah. you know, it'll be great. Next thing you know, all the street signs are in Chinese, all the, and like good, you get schools and stuff. But it's a complete cultural change, which for a lot of these j- countries that are just starting to develop, it can be incredibly disruptive to the right. way of life that they like. And it isn't always that golden dream that you're promised of suddenly being an industrial economy. It's, it's just not, not, not that everybody's simple. behind
0: that dream. No, not everybody. They see the slippery slope and fight it too. So I mean,
1: and who's the ruler and who's the master? And and you know, call me crazy, but in history, people usually don't get very upset when foreign when foreign invaders come in, even (laughs) under the guise of opening a factory, and they start they start exploiting your people. So that's
0: that's exactly right.
1: Yeah. All right. Let's get a little. uh, Let's get a little bad news good. (laughs) <laughs> all right. Well, bad news. Carrier Summit is over. You can catch all of these sessions. By, well, here's the good news. I'm discombobulated by that sound. This has been a Friday, man. This has been a Friday show. Yes, it uh, is. So, bad news. Carrier Summit is over. The good news is you can catch all of the sessions from the event at live.freightwaves.com or listen to them by looking up Freightcast on your favorite podcast player. You also find shows like What the Truck? There. You'll get that keynote with Zinc and Stoots. You know, talking about uh, yeah, man. it was like it wasn't Cambridge Analytica, but it was sort of like a precursor in a lot of ways, just using. And I'm not saying like taking in mind the data in the exact <laughs> way Facebook did it. But in terms of using data to influence an election and find the issues that people really need to be keyed in on. But what I found different about him than like a Cambridge Analytica is he actually talked very openly about not using the data to manipulate right. people, but using it to serve people
0: to understand. Yeah. Right. He would say, to, like, the 20 to get key to those issues. topics.
1: He would survey like a candidate, and he would go, well, what are your 20 key issues you want to go in? Because you yeah. don't want to throw them all at the wall. So they will survey people. All these surveys out there, they'll find the two most, the two that the that the, candidate, the, the candidate's possible electorate care yeah. about the most, right? Yeah. Possible voters care about the most, and they'll just key in on those and get very, very narrow, and so just information spewing. It's fascinating stuff.
0: Yeah, it, it is, and it's exactly the opposite of what many people do. They try and saturate the market with as many positives of what they can do. Or what they plan to do, and when you're talking about a company, all the million myriad of different services that they do, and then there's too much of it, and it gets confused and gets muddled, and you lose those topics or those points that are get you, you know, the the greatest feedback or the most customers.
1: Yeah, exactly what they're talking. And here's another great thing: global trade tech, right? Yeah. Presented by American Shipper. It's September 16th, 17th, 2020. It's our next virtual event. Live, free, virtually. You know that place we told you to go? Live.freightwaves.com to rewatch our previous events. Well, that's the same place you're going to go to see that that event. Same place you're going to go to register for it. And if you count yesterday's show, what was that? Charlie Square? Charlie Square, I believe his name was. He won the Peloton. That's right. We were advertising that Peloton all week. That's right. He got that Peloton. He
0: took it home. Yeah. Well, it'll be shipped to him. You didn't yeah. have to take it home because it's a virtual event. That's I wonder. So
1: beautiful about I, it. I wonder what the turnaround is on Peloton right now. Last I checked, it was about six to eight weeks. So hopefully that gets there pretty <laughs> soon. A lot of demand. Look, exercise equipment. A lot of people are, do not feel comfortable going back in gyms, and you know, like yeah, go them. get a, Go, you know, go get a uh, go get a regular you know recumbent bike and put it in your basement. But I think what people sort of like is that sort of guided training They can do their spin class without having to go to the spin class, and uh, you know, it's a just it, it's a nicer piece of furniture. So when you start hanging clothes on it, it's. <laughs> Gonna <laughs> look even better.
0: Yeah, it does. It's a much better <laughs> clothes hanger, right? But no, it's that interaction, brother. Yeah, it's the promise of Dooner riding with you virtually,
1: dude. I, I told you, one's coming. One's coming. right. So uh, I'll, I'll, yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll ride if you guys are on. Like, if you have Peloton, I don't know. What can you, is it like gamer tags? Is it like video games on a Peloton? I, I don't know. If I give you like my name and you're in supply chain, can you, like we ride together? Can one of you train me? Can you get like, up teams
0: and like do a Tour de France, like a Tour, a know. Tour de ch- uh, Chattanooga or something like that? A I want to lose alley? like
1: fifty pounds on the damn thing. Be <laughs> pretty sweet. That, that's pretty what sweet. I'm working on, man. Hey, Duner, I've got some good news for you, though. All right.
0: I've got I've got really good news for you, okay. man. You have just been rescued from being held <laughs> hostage oh, on an Eagle Bulk whoa, ship on the news. Red Sea for three days. For three days, yeah. And not only were you just hostage for three days, it was by a disgruntled Ukrainian security guard. You what? can imagine how bad that. Yeah, is.
1: yeah geez, he was probably just barking orders left and Does right. Does it
0: sound like uh like the old uh, Oregon Trail computer program? <laughs> yeah. you used, games you used to play back. You'd in hope the day.
1: you died of dysentery <laughs> or poured in that river. That's exactly three days right. with that guy.
0: So good news you've just been you've just been. <laughs> rescued my friend from the uh, disgruntled Ukrainian security guard. I hope
1: that never happens again. Well, here's the bad news, bro. (laughs) You've
0: just been taken hostage again. What?
1: Does <laughs> lightning dude. strike twice like that?
0: <laughs> it does, by the exact same man. It's the same guy? <laughs> the same dude. But this time you're on a different vessel, so oh. that's good. Well, <laughs> like we're looking for him there. Yeah, and it's the Golden Palm, which Golden. obviously is a luxury cruise ship going down the uh, <laughs> the Smack Olber River, palm. right? It's awesome.
1: Five so, to the face. <laughs>
0: <laughs> you rescued. Nope. Now you're back in. So James Wilkes from Gray from Gray Page wrote of the previous incident and issued security. Guards face with back pay, right? So, at the micro level, an armed guard ostensibly driven out of his mind by desperation lost the plot and hijacked a ship for three days. In mitigation, uh, in mitigation perhaps five months plus stuck at sea yeah. without pay and no prospect of relief can evidently drive you a little bit nuts.
1: <laughs> it sounds like it would, it would drive me
0: nuts. <laughs> Who would have thought? Right. <laughs> Fortunately, Splash reports that the tense standoff between the guard and the crew on board the Golden Palm. So you've—that's the other good part—is there's been an insurrection. The bad part is you've been voted leader of this <laughs> of the of the mutiny of the Golden Palm. Uh, so it serves as a floating armory and is currently in the Red Sea. Uh, but it's now been resolved, my friend. So good news in the end—you yeah. have made it. You've made it. Now all you got to do is—is is avoid dysentery.
1: So here's the thing, though. So why? W- why was he back on the streets after just taking a boat hostage a month ago?
0: Uh, it's Ukraine,
1: bro. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't understand. I don't know. He's like, well, I can understand. why well, he's still mad. Like, I guess this is a big issue with the back pay, right? Yeah. So he doesn't get the back pay.
0: Well, I mean, this is one of those things you're reading about why he's been stuck at five, five months, right? We've, we've talked about this before. How is it possible that we've had a quarter of a million people stuck on ships since yeah. the beginning of COVID? Yeah. Right? And just So here's your, here's your results. I'll just take over the ship.
1: The thing, man, until you get into one of those situations, you don't realize how half a care the world gives about you, man. <laughs> You're stuck out there, nobody cares, man. I'll nobody tell you what,
0: cares. I, I kind of doubt it it's would take you five months to take over the ship.
1: To, yeah, it was an armory, too. <laughs> the ship they took over was an armory. Yeah. Well, whoops, he did it again. The Britney Spears of the ocean. Yeah, uh,
0: he did it again.
1: Well, speaking of being unhinged, here's some good news. Unhinged comes out today. It looks like a, a modern version of Falling Down. I don't know if you remember that movie. I did. I
0: just saw the trailer for it last night, Is not Oh, unhinged? Yeah. Yes. It looks awesome.
1: So, so Russell Crowe, he plays a driver who's just had enough. He's just had enough with all this... BS that you people are bringing to the roads. So he gets cut off by a mother, and like she kind of starts going Karen on him. He like yeah, he's yeah, like yeah. apologize. I just want you to apologize. Why can't? And she's like, I would never apologize to someone like you. <laughs> and and he's like, What? I'm, gonna, like, give what? I'm gonna give you one more chance. I'm gonna give
0: you one more chance. I'm gonna run stuff over with this truck is what I'm gonna do. I know, he
1: was he's being nice, and then she's like, I don't care. I'm yeah. out here in my SUV. Yeah. I do whatever I want. So nothing. nothing so so he, he's like, You know what? So he gets behind her. And have you ever thought of doing this when? Or has anyone ever done this to you? Have you ever, like, pissed someone off while you're driving and they just start following you home? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Oh, they start fo- oh, you're following them home? I've never followed oh, them. Oh, right okay. <laughs> no, that's just weird. You had someone <laughs> following you, though? Well, I've thought,
0: yeah. right? And so you start making random turns. Yes. If you turn right three yeah. times in a row, they're probably following you. <laughs> <laughs> did
1: you. Did you think it was a road rager, or did you think that it was a... Uh, what did you think? Well, I, Yeah,
0: road rager. Yeah, Absolutely. I mean, I, yeah, I go through a couple places where you have to merge and stuff like that, and people don't understand. And, and if they want to, like, you know, I'm just going, man. I didn't mean to cut you off. It, it, it's, it's merging. Yes. If you need to be 10 feet ahead of me, just, you know, honk your horn or something. I'll let you go. I don't care.
1: Well, either way, I mean, I'm glad they've made a love letter to road rage. I really I, like. I really <laughs> want to see this movie. But here's the bad news. Here's the bad news. It's not on video on demand like That's Troll's ridiculous. World Tour. That's going
0: to cause me to road rage. Right I know. Like, there.
1: would you, I don't know. Like, I want to see this movie, but I don't know if I want to go to like. I don't want to risk road rage on the way to the theater and uh, have to and, and you know risk COVID in the theater. There's a yeah, lot of risk to go and see it. There's a lot of
0: potential ra- You may. You, you could, maybe you'll take over the movie theater if you're <laughs> that upset about it. Although you know what, after as a Ukrainian security guard.
1: <laughs> Speaking of it, after today's show and some of the production things, we've I, I would like. May, I feel a little under Maybe we should just go after this show. Maybe we should go right now. You guys want to go into a viewing party with us at Unhinge? Let's, Let's go do it. Where's it playing? Are any I'll go get my open?
0: GoPro. We'll just do it. We'll, we'll do a bootleg.
1: We'll, we'll live stream. We'll just keep Actually, this channel I, open.
0: You were getting into character pretty well <laughs> earlier. I Wait, thought you were just gonna act out the whole. You know what? You go watch it. I'll go watch it. We'll act it out on Monday's show.
1: Yeah. Oh, and, and I think, you know answer. what, Nick, I think Nick is actually going to call us right now. He was supposed to be on the show. He got bumped for Hughes, and I apologized to him for that. Oh, that's But awesome. we are running a, a little long because we want to give you this hurricane coverage. Uh, you know, like hurricanes, you can't predict them. You never know exactly when they will land. That's why the weatherman is, is usually wrong.
0: Yeah, well, I mean, the thing in that hurricane to look out for is the fact that, so we got a double barrel coming, right? We've got uh, Depression 14 in the Gulf that's scheduled to come on shore into the Gulf Coast sometime Tuesday into Wednesday morning. Yeah. But then you've got Laura that's sitting out there just northeast of the U.S. Virgin Islands, that is scheduled same time to come through. Both oh. from possible uh, hurricane level ones coming
1: in. And you know what, Nick? Nick Romer, our buddy, our Nick in Scotland. Nick in Scotland. He was supposed to be on in the segment that Hughes was coming on yeah. because we had we had the error with Hughes. Now we're going to bring on Nick right now. Uh, Nick, you are in lovely Scotland right now, my friend. What's up, my man? What's
7: up? What's up, Darren? No, Thanks for having me on. A bit later than than expected, but thanks
1: for having me yeah there's a there's a hurricane a blow there's some unpredictable elements going on here we had to change one of the studios we were doing in, so we do apologize for some of the uh the, the production things a few of these things were yeah. out of uh, our control it was we just the, uh, hija- the, the circumstances we hijacked
0: by a Ukrainian security guard off a yes, ship yes we, we got thing. we were it's hijacked
1: crazy. by a <laughs> Ukrainian security guard we'll go with that one um but hey man uh so you you post this picture and it was like Optimus Prime has started to use uh, the CBIS-21 and I was intrigued so so tell us what the cbis 21 is, and you don't tell me what Optimus Prime is, but tell us who cbis 21 is and why would Optimus <laughs> Prime use it?
7: Uh, well, of course, of course. like um, why why wouldn't Optimus Prime, right? Like um, we all, talk, everybody's talking about sustainability, and um, you know the big companies like the uh, Unilever, they're all putting it forward and they're passing it on to their carriers, and you know like what cbis 21 has came up with. Is, is an innovative solution that, um, that reduces the CO2 emissions with around like 30, up to like 35, 40%, and as well like reduces the, the, fuel, the fuel consumption with, with around the same figure. So, you know, like saving the planet while saving your wallet is something that Cyber 21 can do. So that's why Optimus Prime is using it.
0: It's awesome stuff. Mm-hmm. Can you can you explain the first law of thermal dynamics for me? You could, or something no, about like, combustible,
1: kidding. right? It was it was going to be combustible in the, the, the on the website. They're saying like that you could take regular diesel fuel and create. Well, chemicals.
0: it's a, it's a chemical additive. Is that yeah. what is that what we're talking about here? It's,
1: it's a, exactly exactly. So
7: it's not a dual fuel. So don't let it be confused with a dual fuel. It's an additive uh, that can be a natural gas, a, a, a gas, even a hydrogen. At some point, it's a small percentage. That gets uh, pushed into with air intake is, and it kind of it kind of confuses the diesel molecules, and the it turns into smaller molecules, so it burns more efficiently. Um, and yeah, so so what it what it does, it burns it more efficiently, and it, it creates a, a cooler a cooler burn as well, so it's better for the engine.
0: Yeah, I'm, I'm I'm reading this and and looking this up right because it's very interesting stuff. Because why wouldn't you reduce your carbon footprint if you could right now? And one of the reasons I can think of is because you lose power, it's less less efficient or something like that. But when I'm reading this stuff, we're talking about 15 percent minimum reduction in diesel consumption with this additive, 83 percent reduction in nitrous oxide, and 35 percent reduction in CO2. So you're, you've basically you've made it a more efficient fuel.
7: Yes, and and when you say like there must be a cat twenty two, there's none, right? And it actually increases the performance of the engine.
0: Yeah, tremendous stuff. And so, so does that have does that have effect on, on maintenance as well? I mean, if it's burning cleaner, burning more efficient, that would have effect on maintenance. Yeah. I, would, I would guess, right? That's that's, that's exactly right. Less maintenance.
1: So you say put your money where your mouth is. I'll talk about sustainability. When there is a solution that saves the plan in your wallet, why not start? And you know what? There's uh, we have we on this show we've covered a lot of the the EV technologies coming in. And if you go on Twitter, there's a big war between like the the battery electric vehicles. The there's the BEV camp, then there's the hydrogen electric yeah. camp, and now we got this additive camp that's also throwing their their hat in the ring. If you are uh, running a fleet, which direction do you go? I mean, I realize you're a little bit biased, but maybe you can convince us. <laughs>
7: well, like, yeah. Well, the main the main thing is right. Like, don't get me wrong. I think. You know, we're all looking at the electric uh, vehicles. And, and at some point, perhaps they will be uh, part of an answer, you know, like small, small routes and in-city driving. Fair enough. Um, but we've got an existing fleet. We've got existing trucks. You don't need to get rid of your truck. There's so many secondhand trucks, so many carriers that perhaps have one, two, five, ten trucks that are secondhand and they run them. They're still valuable. You know, they're so valuable carriers that, you know, like even those, those trucks, we can, we can reduce their fuel consumption. We can reduce their miles per gallon uh, or increase their miles per gallon. We can, you know, save their pockets because like how many small and medium like businesses are struggling at the moment. And with this, we can, you know, help them from rather going under, we help them create a profit.
1: Wow. Nick, how did you get wrapped up in all this stuff over there in lovely Scotland?
7: And so uh, the 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 inventor of this product. Uh, so big shout out to Gary uh, Gary McMahon. He's um, he's he's a, he's a very very uh, clever individual, and um, we just it's your network. I, I don't know how I got involved in this. I've, I've got a big love for sustainability, and I think that's where it came from. Um, and, and a big my my dad used to be like driving trucks, so you know the two together work. And when I, when I just said, you know what, Gary? I'll help you push this forward. And creating like, a great group of individuals around me, especially in the U.S., I would say, um, where people are a bit more open to it uh, rather than here. So, you know, I would say like a big shout out to everybody who, who's been supporting us from day one. Um, so, yeah, it's, 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 um, it's a great journey. And we're, we're you know, the, the world is ready for this.
1: Wow. Excellent so where, stuff. Yeah, where can people go to learn more?
7: So I would say that the, the biggest thing is like uh, follow me on LinkedIn is, is uh, the quickest way, probably. Send me a private message or whatsoever. Um, I'm trying to be on as many shows and podcasts as possible. Um, <laughs> no, I, I think you're to,
1: headed to, <laughs> to one more right after this, right?
7: Exactly, exactly. There's one right after this, word on the street. And then we've got Chris Jolly uh, on Tuesday. So like, everybody listen to that one. Um, All right. And go to wwwcyber 21com
1: Good stuff, Nick. Thank you very much for joining us today, and thanks for being flexible with the schedule. We really appreciate it. Thank you so much today, sir.
7: No worries. Thanks for having me on,
1: guys. Wow. Love to hear from Scotland, man. The McDucks. Absolutely, man. Right? It's great. We're going global, though. (laughs) We are going global. South
0: Africa, Scotland.
1: Well, our own...
0: Uh, Hur- Carlisle, Pennsylvania again.
1: Hurricane Fuller has blown into the office. Yes. So we are going to talk to him. He has personal experience running the on-demand emergency unit of U.S. Express. And, you know, the reason we're talking to him, a couple of hurricanes looking to make landfall next week. You know how quickly those things can build up. We're going to keep an eye on it all weekend as well. Mm-hmm. Check out our storm alerts and sonar. But let's throw to Craig right
4: now. Craig, uh, tell us what's going on. What's What's up in the air? Yeah, we got the two hurricanes that are going to... Ah, uh, both potentially make landfall early next week. Uh, right now, models are showing them actually hitting within thirty minutes of each potentially hitting within thirty minutes of one another. So it could be pretty disastrous in terms of uh, what will take place and really the the key about a hurricane, having ran disaster relief in terms of the volume of trucks that go into those disaster relief zones, is basically contingent on Ha- where they actually make landfall and where the hurricane path is is directed so if it goes into a heavy population center uh, one of the hurricanes potentially could hit houston if that takes place that could mean a lot of damage and a lot of freight
0: yeah absolutely i've been i've been showing it up here on our critical events here here craig and and so um are we seeing any positioning or what do you expect to see in these markets as it approaches Houston and potentially it looks like right there between Pensacola or or really uh, New Orleans over to Houston. Those that's really like the center of the two different cones, right?
4: Yeah. So I, I think, you know, hitting Florida and hitting the Gulf coast uh, as it relates to Southern Mississippi, Louisiana or Texas are quite different in terms of economic impact. So hitting Florida is certainly going to impact potential residential areas, uh, perhaps some commercial areas, uh, tourism, beaches, et cetera, could could be at risk. Uh, Hitting the Gulf Coast, is it a completely different set of scenarios if we're talking about Southern Mississippi, Louisiana, and Texas? And it has to do with the oil infrastructure and rigs that are there as as well as pipelines. Uh, So if the hurricane is to take a path toward those oil rigs, they will shut down and it could impact pipelines as well if it goes towards the refineries. So it's something significant to, uh, in terms of potential economic impact that we need to be watching uh, to see actually what takes place. Uh, The oil rigs will start shutting down if not already uh, and they will be moving people back to the shores uh, and trying to prepare for the hurricane. What we should expect over the next couple of days is that the state governments will start responding and requesting assistance from FEMA, as well as ordering product uh, in terms of supplies to prepare. So we'll see lots of uh, loads of bottled water. You'll see preparation supplies like plywood and gas cans and duct tape and batteries and flashlights. All will be sent into those areas in pre-staging. And what happens in a pre-staging scenario is they actually put the trucks outside of the line of the hurricanes. But here's the difficulty. You've got two hurricane systems. So typically what we would see is you would bring supplies in uh, on uh, the opposite side of where the winds are coming. So you could see it staged in Atlanta if we're talking about the Gulf Coast, or you could see it staged in Dallas. But you can't use Atlanta because we have this system that's hitting Florida. And it very well could go all the way up there. So that's going to be pretty significant. But you will see military bases being used, Air Force, Army bases, for staging of equipment. even large uh, airports. Uh, I mean, the, the nice thing right now is some of these secondary airports uh, are not being used for commercial traffic to the degree that they were, so it will be easier to stage trailers in a, and, into those areas. They'll just line the runway full of trailers and supplies, and so we could see hundreds, if not thousands, of truckloads over the next couple of days.
1: You know, the danger of some of these storms is you're looking at TD-14, you're you're Floridian, you go, well, that's only 35 mile per hour winds, and I think a lot of people can end up sleeping on these things. How quickly can these storms change and manifest and become much, much bigger?
4: Yeah, I mean, it, it can literally take a day or two before you start seeing significant winds, uh, you know, in Category 3, 4, and 5. And it's exponential in terms of not only the impact that it can bring in terms of sustained winds and damage caused by winds and flooding. Remember, flooding is the most dangerous part of a hurricane. But in terms of freight movement, um, typically what happens is the states uh, and FEMA are ordering far more product to prepare for the worst. And so what we will likely see is more product ordered on the front end to uh, prepare for both of these storms. I could see places like Alabama, uh, being good staging locations, because you can go in either direction from Alabama. I, would, I wouldn't I would expect to see staging in Mississippi. Georgia, Atlanta, potentially, but you're still, if that storm that is going to hit Pensacola, you're within Atlanta spitting distance, so that actually may put that particular area at risk if that storm goes inland, so I would think it would be further away from that. But I think what drivers need to know, the other thing uh, about this dinner, uh is that a lot of times the drivers that are hauling FEMA disaster relief, this may be their first hurricane. There's a couple of things that I want to talk that they should be prepared for in advance of the hurricane so that they know what's happening. We actually have an article on Freightways.com that covers this topic of what you should expect when expecting a hurricane. Um, and these are just a couple of things I want to go over is there's going to be thousands of loads. Uh, basically a lot of activities. There's gonna be loads coming from all over the country and that surprises a lot of people. We were moving freight from Canada, we were moving it from California into the state of Florida because they're trying to get as many and as much supplies and some of these supplies like generators, gas cans are coming from different parts of the country so you can expect a lot of activity as we move into this. The good news is, if you're talking about the state of Florida, is Florida has a world-class disaster, particularly around hurricanes, relief organization, and is very prepared for this. They have warehouses full of supplies, so they will be in a better position than perhaps Louisiana. Texas has a world-class disaster organization as well. Louisiana, not so much. So if you think about the impact of that, where it's going to hit, we'll do it. The other thing that drivers need to think about if you're under a dispatch of a hurricane is that you're gonna sit. These hurricanes can play out over days, if not longer. So prepare to sit, prepare to be there, and you have to remember you may not have access to power and you may not have access to cell phone. TV antennas may not even work. All of that, if we're talking about a big storm, gets knocked out. So when you think about what you're going to do to entertain yourself, if you don't have internet or even cellular coverage, what can you do that doesn't require it? So bring board games, cards, books, things that can sustain you. Also prepare to bring your own uh, refreshments and snacks. If you're going into a military zone potentially, they're not gonna have great food for you and they're not gonna have snacks and the convenience stores are gonna be completely knocked out. So. Bring some groceries and stuff to entertain yourself. If you're going to be hauling loads, be sure to get confirmation sheets with detention mentioned in it. This is a big problem for trucking companies is that if they've not hauled FEMA disaster relief loads, some of the brokers that are involved in the process can take advantage. They may not pay you detention, which is bullshit because the federal government pays the broker detention. They will ask for documentation, but make sure that you get paid for detention because it's your equipment and you're the one that's stuck. So if a broker says there's no detention, they're full of shit and find a different broker. That's what I say. And to the brokers out there, don't do that. That's bullshit. These drivers are working hard to save us all. Pay them your freaking detention. The other thing is, it's it's gonna take a while to get paid. So what I would recommend doing is Uh, in going in and finding someone that can accelerate your payment perhaps a quick pay service or a factoring company that can actually help pay for those freight bills because if you don't you're gonna have problems getting paid also get everything in writing make sure that you have your confirmation sheets with detention. all of it in writing and make sure that you, you know everything that's going to take place in terms of what to expect when you arrive there. It's going to be pure chaos. The, even the federal government folks that are involved in these disasters, they're done by regions. This may be the only hurricane they've ever worked. They're not logistics professionals, so they probably won't know what is actually taking place. You may be there for days. Or weeks at a time so prepare yourself for that and when you get there expect it to be pure chaos
1: wow uh well one point here we're gonna have to click the explicit button
4: on the uh, on the podcast server (laughs) for this particular i'm sorry (laughs) but you know what you know what in this situation my if i were caught in a hurricane my family's life's at risk Yeah. yeah and i don't i don't have an issue a donor with someone making money this is a service. This is what logistics companies do. This is what we do as an industry, and I'm very proud of that. Yeah. But I do have a problem with a driver sitting for a week at a time and not getting paid detention. That's bullshit. And yeah. you can take that, and you can keep adding that word in there, because that is bullshit. Yeah, okay. <laughs> we got it, man. Well, thank you. Where's the article located? FreightWaves.com? On FreightWaves.com. It's on our social media network. We will embed this video into the article so that you have it, uh, but... You know, a lot of stuff there. We'll put out information throughout the weekend. You can tune in to uh, XM Radio uh, and listen to uh, Freightways Radio. General will be providing updates through that. Nick Austin, our meteorologist, will also be available for continuous updates. Be sure to tune into Freightways. We have not only the weather information you need, but we will be paying t- uh, attention to what's happening in terms of freight and logistics demand to make sure that this particular element is you have all the information that you need. There you have it. Thank you
1: very much, Craig Fuller. If you're out there, don't pull any of that bullshit he's talking about. Think about the drivers. Think about the people who are waiting. Thank you for joining us on What the Truck. Remember Carrier Summit, all of those episodes are being uploaded to FreightCast, where you can also find What the Truck, Midday Market Update, Fuller Speedhead, and all our other shows. Thank you so much. Have a blessed weekend, and catch us tomorrow on Freight Race Radio, 3 p.m. Eastern. love.